the challenge that we do in the gym actually is something that's needed to, you know, not just build resilience and strength, but to really maintain ourselves in life. So we're human beings and we adapt to stress. Hmm. Uh, and so we have to be able to have those challenges to chase those things that we, I call it the practice of living in fear, huh. but like find those things that scare you from time to time. And that's your path. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Think Big Bodybuilding Media. I'm Scott McNally, and today I am with uh, what I can call the strongest human being that I know. What's up, Chris Duffin? How you doing, man? How you doing, Scott? Good. Uh, looking forward to talking today. Yeah, me too, man. I uh, I got a chance to meet Chris the other week. Uh, he was out here in Detroit working on a documentary that they're uh, they're going to be ideally getting to Netflix, uh, and that's that's basically that's all about his life. Um, there's so many directions we could go, and he and I were just talking for a minute before this show. Uh, like I said, Chris is the strongest human being I know. Plus, he's a very savvy business person, owner of Kabuki Strength, and business is going in like 10 different directions in itself. So that could be a bunch of stuff. I really want to focus on strength, though. I really want to focus on on how you got to 1,001 pounds for three reps on the squat. That. I watched that video, man, and I felt like your eyeballs were going to pop out of your head during that. <laughs> <laughs> they might have. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that was that was intense. How long did it take you from the time you decided to do that lift to the time that it actually happened? So uh, it was actually four years prior that I came up with, uh, which I didn't publish. I just said at the time, hey, I'm, I'm retiring from powerlifting and... I'm going to just do what I want to do, things that entertain me. And so I was like, I, 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 I'm going after grand goals. I'm going to deadlift 1,000 pounds. I'm going to wear straps to do it because my hands aren't uh, strong enough to hold it. I don't care. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. And what I didn't tell people because I like keeping things uh, to myself and uh, I know people you know, had enough uh, negative about just the, the deadlift itself um, was that I planned on – doing the deadlift for reps and I planned on also squatting it. So, um, so when I, uh, so when I did the, in 2016, so it was a year to train. So it was actually five years ago. Uh, when I did the deadlift four years ago, uh, it was a surprise the day of when I actually did almost three reps with a thousand and one pounds, wow. just didn't lock out the third one. Okay. And then I came back, uh, and I spent, uh, so it was another year long, uh, prep cycle, Again, understand, you know, I was already, you know, a mid 900 squatter, uh, you know, at the start of the process, but I spent a year specifically training for that squat goal. So yeah. there was planned structured training for a year with a couple of years prior, even though I was doing exhibition stuff, it was all built around, uh, increasing stability, uh, mm. torso and ability to tolerate a uh, higher frequency, uh, loads, uh, so I did these events that were squatting and deadlifting feats during that period of time, but it was all kind of prepped for that. And then it was singularly uh, uh, an 11 or 12 month training cycle uh, leading into uh, that final squat. And I did, uh, I did at some point have to tell people that I was actually going for reps for because it was becoming quite clear yeah. when I'm squatting, you know, 950 for triples, repeated sets, wow. 980 for triples. I had, I, you know, I went up and I squatted 1,015 at like for my peak, uh, uh, one of the sessions. 
like clearly I was going for more than just squatting. So that time I, uh, I let the cat out of the bag that I was uh, attempting to do it, uh, for, for three reps, which I pulled off. So, yeah, it was a long process. I mean, you know, I'm, that was just shy of turning 43 years old uh, when that happened, uh, just like a week uh, shy. And I've been lifting since 1988 with a, you know, a couple-year break in college. Wow. Uh, so, um, so pretty – you know, it's not like something that I just decided on randomly. Like I was already – I'd already set the all-time world record on the squat – several times in the 220 pound weight class so i was already at this you know pretty high level when i uh, said i was going to go after it yeah. but it was this singular training singular focus based on one event to pull off something just spectacular yeah. that nobody else has done and then same thing kind of switching gears like this is one thing i'm going to chase this one thing yeah put all my recovery all my training focus on this one thing to just pull off something that nobody else has done before and then put them together Nobody has squatted and deadlifted a thousand pounds, wow. let alone done it for reps. So, um, so like Thor uh, was getting close to that. He did a thousand pound double on the uh, on the deadlift, and he was right around getting close to pull it, doing a thousand pound squat. And he could have done it uh, if he trained for it. So, okay. Uh, but uh, his focus has changed a little bit now. Now, a lot of the people who are going to be watching or listening to this, we're you know, more bodybuilding focused. We're not doing like singles, doubles, triples so much, but you know, a, a lot of our listeners and myself included are, we're really falling in love with progressive overload. And it's something that yeah. I hadn't really understood earlier on. You know, I did a lot of like the bro split stuff and pumping stuff out. Yeah. And moving well, that, and there's a, that, that still needs to be done, honestly. People think that it's like this competition prep thing, this you know singular like focus of only squat, bench, deadlift, or whatever, yeah. uh, like year round, which is not the case. Okay. Like you've got to have you've got to have periods of time that it is you know hypertrophy focused, that's hypertrophy strength and strength periods and. The other thing is also understanding is looking at it from like qualities that need developed. Uh, okay. So let me just walk through like. Well, hold let, on because I have a walk. question. Hold it for just a second because I do have a question okay. for you. It's just a personal question that I I have personally, and nothing compared to what you've done now, but I, I see myself like I've, I'm working up in weight, okay? And when I've gotten to a new weight, like the dumbbell press is my favorite, dumbbell incline press is like my favorite lift. And when I finally have moved up to the next step, like when I can finally add five, you know, five pounds on the dumbbells, yep. it hasn't been scary. Like, like I'm, it's like, I already, I'm already owning this. I can't imagine though, with a thousand and one pounds on your back that that's ever not scary. Like what was oh it like to, when you it did that? It is fucking scary. Yeah, like, what what was like, like what was going sessions? through your head when you're like lifting that? I just, cause I can't imagine, man. It's what you've oh, you done is so it. unique. You unrack it and you think it's going to kill you. Like it's just like everything in your body is shouting, like screaming at you, your mind. And you just learn over time that just start going down. Just start going down. And next thing you know, you're on the way up. Like it's it's just like – but the the, the scariest part is getting there, unracking that weight and going, there's no fucking way. This is going to go right through me. Like and to face that over and over again, and uh, some of those sessions trying to recover from one week to the next, yeah, it's just in t- 
10, so, you know, I was averaging, uh, between around eight to nine reps every week in, um, uh, the zone would always kind of change and move up. Um, but the, you know, the final three months was, you know, I ramped from 950 pound average session load to 980 pound average session load. Okay. Uh, for eight to nine repetitions. So that's not including the warmups that go all the way up into the low 900s, right? Yeah. That's just the, the you know, like, you know, three sets of uh, three, three doubles or a double double uh, or a triple triple double, whatever, just to get that amount of volume at that intensity, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so I just look at the, you know, the overall load of that that time and just like it's 950 one week it's 953 the next week it's 958 the week after that and just uh, uh moving that total uh up so the sets and reps might be 945 955 965 yeah or whatever but average that out and so anyway the recovery from that is just ashram so there's some sessions you walk away from and you're just you're beat up. You're having trouble walking. You can't huh. carry your bag up the stairs, and you're like, "I got to put this together." I bet. And come back and do this again. And you come into a next session, and sometimes you're not fully recovered, and you're just huh. like, "This is freaking nuts." I'm scared. I don't know how today is going to go. How how and long is the time between those? When the doctor comes out, you'll see there is there was weeks that I spent I think three weeks where I passed out repeatedly. You're kidding. Uh, under the bar, yeah. There was wow. weeks I couldn't squat. There was like it's. It, it was tough, like so, so tough mentally and emotionally. So mm. being able to pull into that, like every week, yeah, what you need to do. So like, you got to stay calm, huh. like all the way up, because you don't want to, you, you can't go crazy and tap into that all the time, every set. So wow. I'd have to do a call, like nine hundred pound squat, wow, to save it for a nine fifty for a triple, wow, because I'd have three sets and I, I could only get two or three sets in before that emotional capacity was, was, was spent. Huh. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's the trick is like staying calm up to it. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, I had a, had a passing out problem for a while. That was a little scary. So it's like getting under it and just don't know. Huh. And you're coming up with 980 pounds and all of a sudden the world goes blank on you. You mean with the like, bar on your back? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How, wow. So how does that go? I mean, you've got a bar on your back yeah. and you're passing I've got an out. incredibly, uh, well, I've got a really incredibly talented, uh, spotting team. So, okay. okay. Uh, advantage of having my business, right? Like, Hey, right now. So, you know, that everybody, they're all, they all have jobs, okay. for, you know, pat, picking parts, running machines, doing whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that day of the week, every week, everybody knows to be on call. That's badass. Uh, to run over it do that so it's like so yeah i had a massive spot like you team wow. uh, that were all really trained really good at what they do you know they're all you know you know six seven hundred plus pound deadlifters and you know strong strong guys they may not look at on camera but they are <laughs> wow and now you speaking of like looks and size i mean for your size what did you tell me were you like 280 at, at, at your peak weight yeah, my peak I hit 285 like okay. on a couple days. So that's not uh, huge. That I mean, like powerlifting no, standards, I, I was, it's not a like a giant guy. My belly was big, but I still had abs <laughs> with veins on it. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a uh, pretty bloated at that point. Uh, 
And uh, and when I did my deadlift, I was in the 260s, and okay. yeah, I was 280 when I 280 when I did the squat, 280, 285. Okay. And uh, I'm down to uh, two uh, in the the mid 240s to just under 250 now that I'm uh, done with all that. So uh, um, looking good. That's my my goal right, right on. now. So right kind of that you know that bodybuilder aesthetic, but uh, yeah. But yeah, I never I was never I was always known as one of the when I competed, I competed at the 220 okay. uh, class. So I might have weighed 250 plus, um, but I was definitely one of the ones that uh, people would notice going, uh, you don't look like a power lifter. You look like a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. You you do kind of have that like crossover look, but you, uh, you but the strength though, the, the strength is like, that's that's just pure power. I know, um, you know, when, when you were talking about, when you're talking about the recovery, um, We've discussed that sometimes like heavy progressive overload isn't for every bodybuilder. There's like when you know that you have to lift that that heavier amount of weight next time that can loom over you. What is that like that whole process psychologically knowing that, hey, I'm going to have to get back under that bar again when you're dealing with the sheer amount of weight you've dealt with? Uh, Just knowing you got to do it for the most part, like it's. It comes down to being comfortable with fear. So in life, you it, it, it's practice for life. You you can plan everything you want, but there could be one random Wednesday out of the blue, something comes at you, uh, sideswiped by a car, a death in the family. Uh, yeah. You never like. There's always if you've been around for a while, there's things in your life that are going to you know throw you off and. You can't plan for that. So you have to plan for uncertainty. You have to – and it's just the mental side of, of strength development. Like what happens if you break your arm and you put a cast on it? It starts to atrophy. Yeah. So the, the challenge that we do in the gym actually is something that's needed to you know, not just build resilience and strength but to really maintain ourselves in life. So we're human beings and we adapt to stress. Mm. And so if you only operate in your comfort zone – Something's going to happen to your life, and you, I know if you think about it, you can think about some friends, family, or something that has happened where something's happened, and they've been basically unable to mentally deal with it. Yeah. They lock down. They shut down. They can't, they can't cope. Uh, and so we have to be able to have those challenges to chase those things that we – I call it the practice of living in fear. Huh. But like find those things that scare you from time to time, and th- that's your path. That's the difference. It's the path of like, it, it's like you know, sitting, sitting around and just having your comfortable job Monday through Friday, and like ah, always having. I want to go back to school, or I want to start my own business, or I I want to work in this field. I want to like, and not taking the step. Hmm. You know, think think back to being young, in your uh, your early years and dating years and stuff like that. Like, you know, when you when you've got that. You know, potential for a relationship. You meet this person on the other end. It's like I, I want to strike up a conversation. I want to then it moves further. I want to build a relationship, but you're scared. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, am I ready for this? That's a huge change in my life. Am I scared? Is is she going to reject me? Is like this mixture of fear and anticipation. But we've got these primal drives that kind of force us yeah. to to move through that. But then we see people get through that. 
they yeah, the same primal drives are kind of in place with the you know fighting authority, your parents, all that stuff like early in your teen years, and then people get out of that and then get the relationship, and all of a sudden there's nothing pushing them huh. these primal drives to like chase these things that are scary, huh? And they fall into the rut in the routine, and you know, go for it. Like hmm. if that's something that scares you, like. Going back to school, oh my God, that scares me. Like, how am I going to deal? What's the impact going to be on my work? What's the, you know, the, my life like? But it's like, God, I, I really want, yeah, it's this mixture of, it's a twisting in your gut, hmm. right? It's this thing that turns around like, I want to, but I'm scared of it. That's your path. That's what I'm telling you. That's the place I need to go in life. Yeah. And it could be a difficult conversation huh. with a friend, a coworker, a family member. Yeah. Like, there's something bothering you. And the same thing, you got this turning around in your gut. What does that tell you? It's an opportunity for personal growth, and it's also telling me I need to deal with it. So when you feel that, that's your message to go, that's what I need to do. That's the path I need to follow. Huh. So this is a leadership principle. It's a life direction principle, and it's a I better fucking get under that bar. That's another chance to, to step up to the plate and chase another opportunity to develop some resilience, some strength. Wow. You just took what I said. I, I just asked you, how do you deal with this terrifying, frightening thing? And you turned it into a, you said it was a positive thing, basically. Yes. It's something you need you to improve. seek out. Yeah. 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 No, that that makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense as to why you can continue pursuing that, that it's not going to, it's not going to break you apart in the end. Like it may someone else who sees it as it's all in perspective, I guess. That's pretty, that's a lot of insight right there. That's pretty cool. And it's, it's anything in life. It's, you know, the barbell, you have opportunities. Uh, the people, people forget, like in the gym, there's so many lessons hmm. for life and business and stuff that are in there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just learning the discipline and follow through that results aren't uh, seen overnight and being able to plan your, your you know, like here's how I'm going to progress on my incline, you know, my incline dumbbells over the next BNB, you know, like, what is that? That's project management. Like, hmm. okay, here's a goal. Here's the steps I'm going to take. We're going to work there. But then we see people that lifting is their only thing in life uh -huh. and they do it really well, but outside they don't do these same, the, the same principles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, if you just put like, you know, that what you, what you do here in the gym, like you could, you can do it. Like go do that with your life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. set a goal, have discipline, follow through, have a plan. Uh, and then you see other people that are really successful in business coming to the gym and they can't think to apply the same principles that make them successful there. And they're like lost and need to hire a trainer or, and, you know, just like, uh, yeah. so it's, yeah. uh, it, it's the same thing. It's, it, there's so many pieces of practice for life. I, you know, in the way you put that, it, that sounds, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but when I look at your life, you had to really work hard to get where you're at. Like, I don't think from what I know about you, this was not like where you're at now, the owner of Kabuki strength, you've got a million different projects that you're doing, the things that you've accomplished with lifting. Um, that all goes back to some, I guess I'd have to say like really humble roots. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Cause I think that's a really crazy yeah. story in itself. Yes, well, it's a topic of a best-selling book, The Eagle <laughs> and the Dragon. Go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, we'll have to put a link is, in uh, there. Yeah. Um, 
It's available anywhere in uh, audio as well. Uh, you can get a link to a free download of the audio on my website, ChrisDuffin.com, by the do way. Do you read the audio, um, though? Really cool. Do you read the audio? I do read You're the audio. You're kidding me. I do read the audio. All right. I got to check no. that out then. My publisher told me not to. They're like, oh, it's, you don't know what you're in for. Yeah. And uh I, it, it was a challenge, but I enjoyed it, and it's, it came out so much better. Like I got done, they're like, oh, wow, <laughs> you did a good job. No I'm kidding. Like, i got to check this out. Yeah, so tell, uh, tell us about it, though, man, because this is, a, a, like I said, unique story in itself. Yeah, and it's written it's written for the reader, not to like elicit. Oh, here's what I went through in my life. Like, sure. It's a great storyline to articulate the philosophies that are in the in the book. And to also guide you on this path of introspection and understanding your values and huh. a whole lot of stuff. Not giving you the answers, but asking you the questions so you can get to whatever your answers are. And But the story makes a great framework for that as well as being really engaging read. So like I said, it is a, it is a bestseller in multiple categories. But um, it's about my life. I grew up homeless uh, in the woods. You know, we're talking foraging for food, killing animals, you know capturing grasshoppers so I could go fish in the stream to get dinner for, you know, uh, dinner, uh, living in shacks, living in tents, living in condemned homes, dealing with, uh, murderers, a serial killer, drug trafficking, uh, drug, <laughs> uh, human trafficking, uh, lots of drug and alcohol abuse, all sorts of just crazy wild shit, honestly. Uh, and, uh, I end up uh, having a little bit of stability in high school, so we got a mobile home. Uh, didn't have a you know a kitchen or you know doors inside, and the wind blew right through the crank shut windows. Uh, but it was it had electricity, it had running water, and we were there for you know four years. So yeah. that was pretty freaking cool for me. Uh, it was a it was a star athlete and uh, student, and graduated, got a full ride scholarship uh, to go to school, actually academic. Uh, and went to school for, for a dual engineering degree. During the course of that, I ended up taking custody of my three younger siblings, who I've kind of done a lot of raising of them prior. Uh, and then when I left, things got really even worse at home. And so I ended up taking custody of the three of them. And uh, I raised them while I went to school. I was working full time, obviously, during the, the course of this, because I never had a fallback plan. Hmm. Nothing anywhere. And... Uh, and then while I pursued my MBA and my, my career and over the course of my career, I, you know, developed to an executive level. I spent 10 years doing like company turnarounds, division turnarounds, growing things from like a, a regional to a national to global, a uh, lot of work in, uh, aerospace, automotive and, and, and high tech, uh, were the, the primary areas, a little industrial equipment. Anyway. Uh, ran engineering teams, ran companies, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah, I lifted a bunch of weights during this. So I started lifting weights in 1988. Um, started uh, competing in 2000 in powerlifting. I competed for 15 years, eight of which I was ranked number one in the world uh, in one discipline or another. And started a gym on the side, which opened convert to the public around 2009, I think. Okay. And... And then in 2015, I was doing the second piece of my book, which is the first piece is all about how to understand what your strengths are, uh, what, you can, what hmm. you can do in the world, and differentiating that tr traumatic things can happen to you 
but it doesn't have to define you. Sure, it can have an impact on you, hmm. but you're defined not by the things that happen to you, but by your responses and actions to those things. Yeah. So you control the definition of oneself. Yeah. And so it's really fighting a voice to that. The second half of the book is about purposefully deciding who you want to be in this world, hmm. what your values are, developing goals and around to execute that life. Wow. And so um, in 2015, I took kind of my relationships that I'd built, which we didn't talk about, but I built a lot of relationships in the clinical and research world. Uh, a lot of big key players. You can find them on our advisory board on Kabuki Strength if you want to see a number of them. And so I became basically an expert in biomechanics and launched Kabuki Strength, uh, building biomechanically sound products. So basically changing up the game. Like specialty hmm. bars have been kind of around as like this accessory and like an extra little thing. And so um, so developed like tools to improve movement, uh, which kind of brought about the trend in, in uh, mace swinging. So hmm. I launched a little mace and really brought that uh, uh, back to the market. Um, soft tissue tools, movement principles. We have an education arm to the business that does coaching and drops daily education, by the way, on both our YouTube and the Instagram Kabuki underscore virtual coaching. Every day, we've got a full-time staff uh, that is uh, dropping contents based on our principles. And so anyway, developed this great line of products. Uh, we work with 90% of every professional sports team out there. So for example, like in Major League Baseball, three teams don't use our stuff. No kidding. <laughs> uh, we work with, you follow any college, any big D1 school, they all use our stuff, plus 600 plus more. Uh, we're in, you know, we work with Tour de France teams, the NHL, NHL Olympic track and field, uh, you name it, we're, we're, we're there. And so, uh, so Kabuki is a globally recognized brand and an authority in, uh, in, in the area around, uh, um, biomechanics movement and, uh, and loading principles. So we, so we have both our educational arm and then, uh, I've also in the last couple of years launched several other companies. So build fast formula, uh, which is a supplement company because of just, I'm a supplement junkie, but there's a lot of issues in the industry with, uh, quality control, sure. labeling, uh, pricing, ingredient formulas, all this stuff. And so I just wanted to, uh, to get involved in doing it in the right way. Uh, barefoot athletics, uh, which is changing to barefoot shoes or minimalist shoe company, uh, really built around improving the foot and ankle complex. So a lot of education around this. Uh, if we look at principles around the body, number one area that has the largest global impact is ability to manage and control spinal position. So wait, hold it's on a second. Global. I got to tell everybody. So this is the yeah. first thing we, when I met you, the first thing I've heard you talk about was this. And so yeah. I, this is something like everything that Chris is involved in, you're super passionate about, including like uh, yeah. all the way down to, to talking about like the foot and what the foot does. Oh, and, yeah. So, there, all right. There, I had to throw of, that in there. There's a lot of duff and foot memes out there because people think <laughs> I have a foot fetish, because, but it has the second largest global impact on the body. Yeah, which, like, this which is the driver sense. of so much back, back, hip and knee pain in the huh. world. Like you, you want to know. Uh, you want to know the number one healthcare cost in America? What's that? Diabetes, heart disease, cancer. No, it's back pain. Okay. Yeah, which that makes sense. Back yeah. pain. And what can we control? 
the most ourselves? Back pain. Huh. Okay. So uh, these principles, I mean, and that's what I show in my squat and deadlift. Just like how do you manage spinal mechanics in extreme conditions still? Huh. Okay. Right? <laughs> and, and walk away. Uh, I use the principles that we talk about and teach. And so huh. anyway, that's uh, – so kabuki strength is – that's one thing that really differentiates us. We have principles around both movement and loading, all right? Yeah. Because we're an education company first. Yeah. And so those principles actually guide what products we release to market. It's not marketing research and seeing what other people sell. Yeah. It's going, what are the gaps in the industry? What's done wrong? What doesn't exist that can really help people? And that's why our stuff changes the game when it comes out because it's these little subtle revisions and things that – when you got the bar in your hands or on your back, you're going to know why yeah. uh, because it changes the game. Yeah. You know, we can take somebody that can't even bench press a bar, right, with, to their chest without pain, empty bar, and have them doing reps with, you know, two plates. Hmm. With, I think I told you this story. I did it with, like, I can't remember. Every, every uh, I've discovered every major league uh, uh, baseball team, their head strength coach has bad shoulders, by the way. So, okay. so that's my test plan. I actually tested that at a spring training a couple years ago, the Cadillac bar, the yeah. first prototype. I welded up because we're like, we're going to spring training. I know all the bad shoulders. I got a concept. <laughs> we're going to put this in place. I go in there and they're like, oh, no, uh, coach, he's, uh, he can't, he can't. He's like, oh, no. I'm like, just try it. Oh, that feels good. Put a plate on. Oh, that feels good. Put another plate on. Yeah, and yeah. they're doing reps with two, everyone. It'd be maybe four reps for one coach, five reps for another, whatever. But they, I, like, I swear this happened four or five times. No kidding. Uh, over the course of the week working through all the teams because I'd visit, you know, three, four teams a day. Wow. Uh, and, and uh, but I had like several instances of a guy, like the staff just standing around, jaws drop going, coach, how, 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 how do you feel? And they're like, I'm pain free. And yeah. they're benching with, you know, that they couldn't do with a bar plus an extra three inches range of motion yeah, yeah. just by changing a lot of the physics and the where the stability is and how how we're able to engage and stack the joints and anyway it, it this is where this stuff comes from yeah so anyway one other company which is launching shortly you're one of the first people to know about it which is uh Kratos, it's on kratosfly.fitness but it's an inertia based uh flywheel system and it's gonna we've got some uh patents in process and it's gonna uh really change uh the industry uh, for people that uh, train with these devices or the other manufacturers out there because we're bringing some uh, new innovation into that area. So, so those, are, those are the companies, Kabuki Strength, main one, uh, Barefoot Athletics for shoes, Build Fast Formula for supplements, and then uh, Inertia-based flywheel uh, is going to be uh, Kratos. And so that's, uh, uh, that's coming shortly. And then obviously my book, The Eagle and the Dragon. So we'll be sure I am to working have on another one. No kidding. We'll be sure to have the all the links for that stuff. Now, with, like when you were a so kid, you can find all that. So people just oh. go to chrisduffin.com. Okay. Well, I have we'll links link for all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kratos isn't up yet, but it it will be. Might be by the time. So chrisduffin.com, christopherduffin.com, links to all those plus links to the to my book. So that's a really easy uh, house to, uh, to plus. Find. I don't have to put as much in the description then. I get that's easy for me too. So. I, no, you got to put it all in there. You got to do the work, man. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's a question I have for you then. So, you know, like like we were saying, you came from a really humble start. Uh, why do you think 
you were able to do what you've done? What what made you different? And that this is across the board. What makes you someone who was able to rise out of where you were, become educated, be able to do the things you've done in business? What makes you the person who was able to lift the weight that you've lifted? Ah, there's a lot of philosophy in that last question, right? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. That you and that's that's kind of what I want to. Uh, that's kind of what I want to get to, it's, man. It's it's a lot. I uh, I've got a story on my Instagram. Uh, there's I, I have saved stories in series. There's uh this is in the series around life philosophy. It's called the shit bucket story. Okay. So. Uh, Anyone take a look at it. It's an interesting story, but it's uh, about my duty of emptying the uh, the the five gallon ship bucket behind the curtain and finding going and burying it every day. But anyway, back to the question. Um, it, it's pertinent because so many of the people that I grew up and around, they're dead. Hmm. They're in prison. They're you know living off grid in the forest somewhere. Um, that's what happened? Yeah. And it didn't to me. Uh, but for me, I viewed it, I, I think a big part was I was responsible for my sisters. Huh. My, my parents were gone tending crops or logging or doing whatever. I, I had to grow up early. And it when was you say like crops, survivor mentality. When you say crops, you're not talking about like corn, right? Uh, no, uh, the, the pot fields. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, we, lived, we didn't it, mention that the mountains part. of if, in case you missed the, the mountains of Northern California living in the wilderness, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> and the drug running and the other stuff. Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> just, just being clear here. <laughs> just to, just to spell that out a little yeah, bit yeah. better. Um, uh, and so it, it's kind of, you know, growing up, I had to have a, a, a face on, I had to be the one that was in control, even though I was dealing with my own shit. Yeah. Uh, I, I was responsible for others and there was no way out for me except to succeed. And that's the huh. way I viewed it. Wow. And so, um, just that and, you know, testing yourself and developing, you know, confidence and knowing that if you really, really want something, you can figure it out, you know, that you can become, you can take it on. And it's like huh. jumping into things that might've been scary and discovering I, I I've got this is a, is a big thing because, you know, I was, I, I, I was a quiet kid that had no friends that was constantly moving, wearing uh, dirty clothes with my toes sticking out the side of my shoes that got made fun of, you know, like I should have had a big lack of confidence. And I did mm -hmm. like around like uh, social settings and people and just being like inferior. You know, I was literally the kid that lived in the trailer down by the river mm, yeah. and um, but I, I, I would, I'd challenge myself, you know, physically, mentally, yeah. and I'd find I, I'd come out on top and I just developed this, uh, this confidence in my ability to perform if I chose to go all in. Hmm. And hmm. so, uh, that's, you know, you just start stacking up those wins hmm. and you start believing in yourself. Hmm. And, and so I, I don't. I don't know how else to say it, but I've, I've always been the one. It's kind of a joke. Like everybody knew I'm the mad scientist. That's what they call me. Cause I'm a little crazy. Like I'm out there and, uh, that's okay. Like I, I chase big fuck crazy gnarly shit. That's what I do in my life. 
Um, but I learned to hone in on the things like I learned that you don't need so much of the things that you think you need in life. Huh. Okay. Growing up with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one of the lessons I try to teach people is how to minimize the things, the, the crap in your life. Mm. And it's really a process of you think you need to do stuff. You need to think you need to do stuff for your job. You think you need to do stuff in your life. You think all this and you fill your life with these tasks and these things. And this could relate to training. We see it all the time. Hmm. Ah, that mobilization exercise is great. This one's great. And I need to do tricep presses this way. And next thing you know, you got 20 exercises on your program. Uh, you got 20 things on your warm up before you train. Okay. Cause I got to get all this stuff in. It's all the best. Cause I read this article. I saw this video. And just paring down, like, no, like, what is essential? What do I need? And this can be done in any part of life. Like, this is how I perform my executive level when I come in to turn around a company. It wasn't because the person before me was failing, you know, like, well, they were failing. Uh, it wasn't because of lack of trying. They were usually working tons of hours, huh. tons of days. And I would come in and not do anything. Huh. Nothing. You know why? Find out what's essential. Oh, yeah. All right? Yeah. If you just quit doing everything in your life, you'd find out pretty quickly. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I probably need to figure out something to feed myself. Oh, I got to do laundry. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, but, oh, the time I was wasting doing this. Uh, the, oh, that? Like, I. oh, wow. I've just, like, sit and automatically turn the TV on and chill huh. out for an hour and a half. Like, yeah. every day. Like, the phone. You'll start just pair. All, all that. Just yeah. pair this stuff. It's non-essential, right? Yeah. So, you know, the first step is actually knowing what you want to do because hmm. you got to understand your, like your personal values, how you want to live in this world, where you want to go, what your North star is. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you can start finding what are the things that are really going to drive action towards that? Yeah. So like in my company turnaround, a lot of times it was like conversations with people. Hmm. Why? The culture and the direction needed to come. We needed to get alignment on a vision. So it's like me telling a story where we're going and telling you, this is how you fit into this story. This is mm. your part you're playing us, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't the doing some special report and putting some special system in place. There's always that. Like you've got to be a technical expert. You're not going to just walk into the gym and build a beautiful program because I got a vision. I want to be the best in the world, right? But uh, but it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's the, those other – those other smaller pieces that actually play the, the big role. If you understand what is really going to move me forward hmm, yeah. towards the things that I'm trying to accomplish is what I'm doing right now. And so if it's not fucking step one, get rid of it. Hmm, yeah. If you can't get rid of it completely, just stop doing it. You'd be surprised in your work, in your life. Uh, you know, how much stuff can just come off the plate. Yeah. All right. Next step is, if I can't get rid of it, how do I automate it? Hmm. How do I make it so that thing just takes care of itself? Yeah. Okay? And, and then if you can't, then, hey, maybe I, I sub it out. I delegate. I whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm great at working on vehicles. Like, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, right? I, I'm not going to, you know, the, 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 the brakes need to change on my wife's Mercedes. I took it to the shop and had it done. Yeah. But that's so much money I could have saved. Well, it's not worth it for my time. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can do it. 
but I could be doing something else that could driving myself forward towards our shared goals in life. Yeah. Okay. But if you're just not doing it and you're chilling on the couch, you're just fucking wasting money. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 So that's why it's an important. You have to have uh, what I call your values uh, developed first, your North star, the things that you really care about the direction that you want to go in life. Yeah. I feel like that's probably one of the things we, we have the hardest time figuring out is what do we want to do? What do I oh, want to do with my life? You know, I'm, uh, I'm in my forties now too, you know, and it's like, I still, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good idea, no, you know, but it's still like, quite figure it right, out. That's the right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that's always evolving, but, but I, I could say in your twenties though, man, even like then it's like, you know, even if you have a vision, it's like, that's something where you, if you could hone in like back in your twenties, if you could really hone in, you'd be ahead of the curve, I think. But the thing is, people want to focus on the superficial when they talk mm. about uh, uh, goals. Huh. I want to play in the NFL, yeah, for okay. example. Okay. Why do you want to play in the NFL? Mm -hmm. Come up with an answer. And then dive deeper. This mm. process takes time. Mm. But peel back the layer. It's called the five whys. Okay. And you keep diving, pulling it back, pulling it back until you can get to like a core nugget of something that is huh. not a thing. So here's my things, okay. all right? Some of them are, you know, I'll admit, you know, they're ego-based or whatever, but be, be honest with yourself. It's okay. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. But, um, you know, positive, like continual learning, that's a huge value for mine, to always be in a position where I'm challenging myself to learn something new. I use another word there, challenge. Hmm. I got to feel challenged in life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you see that stuff? Like it's just in the, the thousand pound squat. Like I've got to like discover how to do this. I got to, it's a goal. that's you know, that's challenging, but I could have gone a lot. I could have picked a lot of other things. It didn't have sure. to be that. Sure. Right. Um, I like recognition. I like recognition for having done a, a great job hmm. or whatever it is, like whatever it is, like for my work, whatever I'm, yeah, I'll admit it. I like recognition. Yeah, I think we all do, um, you know, whether people yeah, want to admit like it or it. not, you know. Yep. So, some people are less than others, though. There's mm. not maybe a major driver, maybe a, a major driver for someone else. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, uh, I said challenge, sense of accomplishment. So for me, a sense mm. of accomplishment is above recognition by far. Yeah. Right? Uh, creativity, to have a creative outlet. All right. You can see that in my businesses, but it was also in the creating the challenges like that I did yeah. like random. Okay. I don't want to play in this world of powerlifting anymore. As of 2015, I want to create these other experiences that show something different. They bring other value to the world, uh, by, you know, by being able to contribute to charities that I, that I, that I believe in to really showcase like the principles that I talk about to help with motivating other people. Like there's creativity in coming up with that again. It's sure. that. But now that I'm moving forward with more of the business aspect, where do we see the same things coming into play again? All right. So if you understand that now, you should be able to pare it down to like five to seven like of these. I call, it sounds silly. Uh, so cliche. Uh, core values, right? Yeah, they are what they, it is what it is, though. They yeah. are what it is. But keep peeling the when you when you go like, ah, well, I want to be in the NFL because I want to. I want to, I want to make it big. I want to be rich. Yeah. Why do you want to be rich? I want to have a big house. I want to love, car. I want to have a fancy car. Why? Yeah. Why do you want to just keep, 
keep get and give yourself some time with each one. Hmm. Like, you know, this process is going to take some months to work through. Like, why do, why do I want that thing? Okay. And you see how that process works. And finally you get back to, oh, here's these nuggets and drivers. And, oh, there's other ways that I could execute or realize or live these same values yeah. so that if I don't have the potential to make it to the NFL, I could still have the same, you know, things that I actually wanted in life. Yeah. So I use that, the house and the fancy car one, for example, because, you know, one of mine is security. I love challenge, but I also, my, my upbringing, you understand security is an important thing for me, right? Yeah. Now, if, if, let's say, you could want that house and the fancy car because of security, because you go, once I've made it and I've earned enough to have those things, I know that I will be secure in my life. I'll be secure for my family because I'm obviously successful. Hmm. But if you don't know the why, all you know is my goal is that fancy house and the car. Right. It could be for other reasons too, right? You know, recognize fame. What I don't, whatever. No, right or wrong. Just understand yours. I'm using security and those as an example. Right. Okay. You could over leverage yourself to get those things hmm. and actually have the exact opposite of what you of hmm. what you want to happen and then you're in this area like oh why am i unhappy why am i stressed? i got the car I, you know whatever i got the I, things yeah. that i've been working for but it feels like my life's falling apart yeah i feel like we we all have it, i've been in that situation i think we've all fallen victim of that yeah i've got one more question for you because i feel like this is something that'll relate to a lot of guys your age and my age and uh and just to kind of come full circle here so you've had your, your, you know, your hashtag grand goals, and that's what we started talking about. Uh, you talked about your interest in challenge. You've talked about all the amazing things that you've, like the things, the satisfaction that you've gotten from powerlifting, and you talked about retiring. Can you tell me a little bit about coming to terms with not doing that anymore at the level that you have? Yeah. So that really is the, the, the conversation that we just had. So is understanding I'm still – those were ways for me to realize those values, okay? And, but there's other ways for me to live those. And, and it's shifting now towards me being able to have that in my work or in my life uh, as how I pursue those. And training isn't the outlet for that. I love that, man. That's so, great. So – and people, that's what I said. They – and this is an important question because for bodybuilders or athletes anywhere, a lot of times you get to this point in your career where that's what you define yourself as. Yeah, right. And then it, and one, it can get taken away at any time, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Getting sideswiped on a Tuesday, like I said, right? It can get taken away at any time. And if that's your definition, you're going to get lost in yourself. And you see this for, for professional athletes quite a bit, right? Sure. When they reach their retirement and some of them, deal with alcohol abuse, drug abuse, uh, depression, like they don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what to do. Hmm. And so really getting to that understanding of what that, what that is to you hmm. and why it's so important to you can help you create those, those shifts. So yeah, maybe it's still been a struggle, but honestly I have no desire. I've, I've actually been struggling just training my legs because okay. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, I've, like I just, I'm just not motivated to go squat right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. 
I'm like, I did that. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. We do a podcast with a guy named Dave Crossland. He, uh, his goal was to get as big as he humanly could. He got to 415 pounds, and now he doesn't want to do like he's done. You know, he's done. He's not training like that anymore. And now he's like, he has a hard time even just putting on a little muscle because he's like, I, I don't have an interest. It's it's got to be for him like either go 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 or or now it's focusing on business and other stuff. So. Yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. Exactly, to me. It's, it's taking that focus and going somewhere else. Because I, yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I call uh, I call life. Uh, my, my my philosophy is that it's a balance of extremes. So people think, you know, you need to find moderation, you know, to find your balance. And I'm going, no, 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 it's extremes. Find two balancing opposite extremes <laughs> and do chase both of them, and that'll bring you some balance, right? So, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I'll go with it. I think that's sometimes the best we can do. Most of us that are really balance, passionate balance about bodybuilding, we're not going to find, you know, that middle ground. It's, you know, it's always going to well, be I mean, an extreme Scott, in one that, way. Uh, that's you. That's a lot of your listeners, too, right? And sure. the fact that uh, people look at the, the, the bodybuilders, a meathead. You're so focused on your body, and yet, uh, you know, so many of us actually bring the mental side of it to what we do, to diet and nutrition and training principles and all the, the psychological impacts and like it, it, it's you can and, and excel by doing so Absolutely. right and really being super passionate on both ends of those spectrums and uh that's uh that's the ba- that, that's the balance of extremes it is it is the not being the businessman that is so focused on business that he neglects his family mm-hmm. it's the businessman that invests everything into his business and his family mm. he's present he puts his phone away he's there and drops all the other shit in life yeah, yeah. all the non-essential but it's like these are my cornerstones and they're too balanced you can you can do this it is saying me saying i want you to push yourself to the absolute limit in the gym like on my squat i want but i i'm also want you to do it i want you to chase perfection and technique hmm, where yeah. people think that those are oppositions huh. that if I say go all in, it means everything's to the wind. Uh-huh. It's going to be ugly. You're going to be – and I'm like, no, you can do both. Yes. I love and they that. come together and marry into this wonderful world. I expect perfection, and I expect you to push yourself to the limits. Hmm. That's what I expect. I love that's that. a balance of extremes. And that's where, that's where beauty comes from. Right on. Well, listen, Chris, I appreciate your time, man. I, uh, like I said, we started out. I didn't know how much we'd really be able to cover, but I, I'm really happy we got to kind of – touch on a little bit of everything and and I have to tell you man I have so much respect for you in in what you've achieved it's uh I like to be able to look at a person like you because I can think to myself like you know if this guy can achieve you know everything he's doing if I can do half of that then I know that you know I know that I'm on the right path so I appreciate it and I hope that our listeners have appreciated this too I'm, I'm sure they've gotten a lot out of it it's great hearing that because that's a big part of why I do the things that I do is uh, to show people they can go beyond what they think they're poss- they're capable of. Right on. Well, guys, for another episode here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media, I'm Scott McNally with Chris Duffin. Thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you.